T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Everybody, hour number two getting underway. Congratulations to Chris and Frank for winning our Black Panther Wakanda Forever sneak preview tickets. We'll uh, got a couple more of those that we'll give away uh, the rest of the week. That's coming up on Thursday evening. So enjoy the night on us here and glad to help people get out there. I was at a drive-in movie with my kids last night. They had a preview for that Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie, and it looks awesome. I mean, the first one was good. I think the second one looks like it's going to be also really, really good. Uh, we talked a lot about the NFL, the Chiefs, in the first hour. We're going to shift gears now in this hour and spend our time with college football and a little bit of college hoops as we start the season tonight. But we got to get through a couple of big-time games this weekend that you know meant a lot for each school. Let's start with K-State. They had the most on the line in relative terms to this year in trying to contend for a Big 12 title. And they didn't get it done. Uh, They lose to Texas. It was a very strange game in the sense that the first half made absolutely no sense from what we've seen this year. None whatsoever. I don't know what that was in the first half of that game when they allowed 31 points and just a run game that was unstoppable in the half to the second half where they allowed three points. Tommy, but they were never going to, I don't care who was playing quarterback, that that performance in the first half wasn't going to allow them. I thought Adrian Martinez wasn't the problem. I thought that first half defense is the reason Kansas State didn't win that game, and I don't know how in the world they came out that flat defensively. Yeah, I don't know either, uh, and, and that's shocking. Uh, it's shocking from what we saw a week ago against Oklahoma State. Uh, the, the Kansas State defense played lights out in that game, and it was almost like uh, they weren't ready. They, they looked exhausted or they looked, you know, uh, ill-prepared or whatever you want to say uh, to start that game, like maybe a hangover from the week before. I don't know, uh, but that was shocking. B. John Robinson ran all over Kansas State, finished with over 200 yards. Um, and, and then I think that in the second half, a couple of things happened. Number one, you had quite a bit of adjustments from Kansas State. Like, all right, this is not going to work. And if we want any shot of getting back in this game, we've got to adjust. And then number two, 
Texas is going to do what Texas is going to do. They're going to collapse in the second half. That's what this team has been indicative of. They're going to fall apart. And so, um, you know, it was very, very close to uh, Steve Sarkeesian having to answer more questions about his team giving up a halftime lead. Um, Fortunately, I guess for Texas, that didn't happen. And, and Sarkeesian didn't have to answer those questions, uh, but Kansas state stormed back and, and yeah, they made it a game, uh, you know, towards the end, but you're right. That first half, um, it, it was going to be difficult for anybody to bring Kansas state back. So Kansas state and it's, you know, Adrian Martinez, 24, 36, 329 yards, couple touchdowns and interception. He ran it well, right? 14 carries for 66 yards. I think he looked pretty good. I was glad to see him look as good as he did. Um, he was also having to play from behind, which is, I think, not what his strengths will be. But I thought he did a pretty good job, honestly. It was that first, the only reason Kansas State lost that game was the first half defense. I mean, they were, you know, far more what we thought we'd see in the second half, far more like that than they were in the first half. And now you've got a situation here where Texas has the same number of losses in the conference and they've got the game in hand. So Kansas State is going to have to see Texas lose another game if it wants to play in the Big 12 title game. Kansas State gets Baylor, so you can handle that business on your own. Baylor also with just two losses. Everybody else has three. I I don't think whoever between Baylor, Texas, and Kansas State makes it through to the Big 12 title game can't lose another game. So of those three, Texas still has TCU. Um... Kansas State has Baylor, West Virginia, and Kansas. Uh, Baylor, I'm not sure what exactly they have, but they have Kansas State, so that really for this conversation is all that matters. So Kansas State, yes, that was a brutal loss. Now you've got to really root for TCU to be able to beat Texas because that becomes the critical component that's out of your control. Everything coming into last week was in their control. Now it's out of your control because you have to see Texas lose to well, Texas to lose at any point, but against TCU this week sure seems like a, a good opportunity to see that happen. That's the most disappointing part. And, and you know, with the the level of elation that Kansas State and Chris Kleiman had after the Oklahoma State victory, and then you con- you contrast that with what happened on Saturday against Texas, um, the Wildcats were in the driver's seat, and we talked about it all last week. Uh, that that ride in the driver's seat did not last very long. Now you need a little bit of help. Um, and so that I think that that was when we were pre, you know previewing this game and going into it, the whole thought process was Kansas State has a lot of pressure to be able to stay at their position like they made it they're into the second kind of that second spot to be able to play for a Big 12 title uh, behind TCU um, and, and they weren't able to hang on. I mean, they were in that position for less than a week and, and Texas comes in and, you know, they're able to knock off the Wildcats in Manhattan. And so, yeah, you need a little bit of help now. Um, I do still like Kansas State to be able to play for a Big 12 title. Yeah, they're going to need some help. But as you mentioned, the Longhorns still have TCU. TCU has looked pretty much unstoppable this season and you know everybody has always been you know talking about well what point is the letdown going to come for tcu and at what point are they going to lose they haven't shown any reason why they should right now um and and so because texas still has tcu uh, i still like kansas state if they can get past baylor well okay so texas i do texas might have the most difficult schedule of the two lost teams right now between baylor and and honestly Kansas State just needs to beat Baylor. So, you know, Baylor, I'm not worried about Baylor in that sense because Kansas State still controls that. But Texas's remaining schedule is, you know, at home against TCU where they're seven-point favorites. Then they got to come to Lawrence and play Kansas, 
who you've got to assume, you know, will be healthier at that point. And then they have to play Baylor, right? So I, I tech there's a there is a decent chance that Texas loses a game, right? So if you're Kansas State, this isn't the end of the world. It's frustrating because I'm not totally convinced Kansas State's not better than Texas. Um, I think that Texas got them in the first half and then Kansas State just couldn't overcome it. So that point that part of it is certainly annoying if you're Kansas State, right? You feel like that's a game you should have won. You feel like you're just as talented as Texas, and I don't know what happened in the first half. However, Texas has some tough games remaining, and you just got to hope. But but for, for Kansas State, it doesn't feel so desperate. Just handle your business. You, you beat Baylor and West Virginia and Kansas— do you think, Tommy, that two wins, uh, two losses in the conference would be good enough? And do you think if Kansas State wins out, let's just let's just say if Kansas State wins out, do you think they'll be in the Big Twelve title game? Uh, yeah, I think they can be. I think they, uh, you know, of course, as we talked about before, with that schedule, Texas still has to play against TCU, and I think that's the that's the big one that you'll look at. And it, Kansas, it, 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 and Kansas, and Baylor. I mean, it's not just the TCU game for Texas. You have three real chances for them to lose a game. Um, yeah, I, I think so. That's good. Now, what, one thing that I will point out, though, um, it, it's it's incredibly disappointing to me that defensive output on Saturday because of how dominant the Kansas State defense was against Oklahoma State, and we've seen it throughout the course of the season. Uh, there, there was an argument to be made prior to going into this game that Kansas State had the best defense in the Big 12. Well, don't you think uh, there still is, though, because they allowed three second-half points? I think that's what's so wild about that first half is because when that defense played the way it's capable of, the same defense that allowed 31 in the first half allowed three in the second half, and they had a the big caveat. lead. That's the caveat, though. When they play the way they're capable of, right, they did totally. it in the first half. That's I, what's concerning about that. And so I feel like there might be a little bit more ongoing concern as the the weeks go on that, okay, we know what this defense is like at its ceiling, but they're not always going to play at their ceiling. Uh, And and so how far is that drop-off? And, and of course, in that first half against Texas, it was a big drop-off. It's a difference in 31 points and three points. Yeah, it was massive. But, yeah, I mean, sure, that that they're going to have to play up to the capability. I think. I mean, do you was, feel like that was an aberration, though, that first half, or do you feel like I do. that's a symptom of something that no, might be an I, issue? I think it was an aberration, and I, that's what you know. I've talked to K State fans between now and when it happened, and I just I'm very confused by it because they. It's not just that they gave up the 31 in the second half; it's that knowing Texas has a lead and wanted to just run the ball in the second half, they didn't let them. So. Literally at halftime, the thing that killed them in the first half was going to be what happens in the second half, and in the second half, all of a sudden, it doesn't happen. So there had to be some minor adjustment in the game plan that was off or something because Texas was even more prone to just run the ball in the second half than they were in the first half, and Kansas State was able to to bottle it up. So I, I think it was an aberration. I think we've seen the defense be great far more often than we've seen it not be great. And as it gets healthier, I still think Kansas State goes as the defense carries them. 
I thought Adrian Martinez looked really good. And and I, I say really good. I thought Adrian Martinez looked good. That's a good sign. It tells us now that they've got two options at quarterback. That's reassuring. But, man, they got to have good defense. And most of the time, they've had it. And in that game, they had it for half the game. It was just too late. And, you know, I, I think that I think that they're going to be fine. I do think if Kansas State wins its next three, that they'll play in the Big 12 title game. And I do think Kansas State's going to win its next three. So it I don't feel the panic today. I feel, you know, it's annoying that the first half happened, but I think Kansas State is fine. They're fortunate that that's the case. They're fortunate that Texas still has to play a bunch of really difficult games. Texas could win out. I mean, Texas is really talented too. Texas could win out and then you're kind of just screwed and that sucks. That's when you that's when you look back at this game. But at this moment, I don't think you look back at that game. I think you just look forward, win the next three, and and think that that'll be good enough because I do think that that'll be good enough. Tommy KU gets it done. Um, Oklahoma State just not they just don't have it right now. Too banged up, and you know what? I don't even care for KU, a team that has dealt with as much as it's dealt with over the years. You got six wins. Nothing else matters, right? This was the doomsday scenario that we had you know, been concerned with to start the season was happening, but doesn't matter anymore. And I don't care if Spencer Sanders wasn't playing. And I don't care about any of that. I don't care how banged up Oklahoma State is. Because in this sport, especially, sometimes you need good fortune. And KU deserved a little bit of good fortune. And they got a little bit of good fortune against Oklahoma State, and they're going bowling. And now, no matter what else happens, everything's all good for KU football. Yeah, I'm just really glad I don't have to hear you ask that question anymore about what happens if they lose out. Like, I'm I'm happy about that, uh, that that I don't have to face that Me you know, too. anymore this season. Uh, it's really nice. And, and, of course, yeah, like, good fortune, I think, is, is uh, you know, a good way to describe it. But it's also uh, just a lot of preparation, hard work, and turning this program around and building a winning culture. And that that's what the, the Jayhawks were able to do. Um, they had – I saw this stat over the weekend – the, the Jayhawks had a 1% chance of being bowl eligible going into the preseason. They're bowl <laughs> eligible through nine games. Uh, and awesome. so if that doesn't right there uh, make Lance Leipold a, at least a finalist for coach of the year, I'm not sure what else will. He'll be in um, this. And, yes. He'll be in And, and what, what he's been able to do in, you know, I mean, think about the, the way that Kansas lost a year ago to Oklahoma State and Iowa State. I mean, they lost by like a combined, it was like a combined score of, I don't know, like 110 to, to 12 or, I mean, something like ridiculous like that. They beat both of those teams and, you know, they beat Oklahoma State by three touchdowns on Saturday. Um, just that turnaround in a year's time is is incredible. And hats off to Jason Bean. Um, you know, a lot of adversity coming in, filling in for a guy that was being talked about as an early Heisman candidate in Jalen Daniels, uh, leading them to that victory. Um, you know, he started against Oklahoma State a year ago and the Jayhawks couldn't do anything. Jason Bean couldn't do anything. Um, and that's a testament to the work and the effort and everything that they put in uh, to win that game. So, yeah, hats off to them. Bull eligible is is a great feeling for the Jayhawks. And um, I don't necessarily think that they're done. I think they can get another one. You know, they play on the road at Texas Tech, back at home against Texas, and then, of course, the Sunflower Showdown. I think they could get another one and finish with a winning record. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I mean, it, sure, they could beat Tech. I mean, they can beat Tech and Lubbock, especially if Jalen Daniels gets closer and closer to playing. Um, I mean, look, the state of Kansas needs to unite. November 19th, 
hosting Texas could become just a massive, massive game, not just for Kansas, but for Kansas State as well, right? If I'm a Kansas State fan, I immediately become the biggest Jayhawk fan ever. I want them to look good against Texas Tech. I want them to have all the momentum in the world and be healthy going into that Texas game because you may need it. You may need that to be the game Texas loses. Um, we'll see what happens. I think I believe there's a world and an outside chance that Kansas could play Mizzou in a bowl game, uh, which would be fun. That hey, would not, be not only that, but Kansas is not mathematically eliminated from being in the Big Twelve title game. I, I, I'm not. glad you brought that up because I intended to to start the day. So Kansas right now with three losses in the conference, you know they get Kansas State and they get Texas right. They get those games. They have the game in hand against Oklahoma State. So it's not just a chance, Tommy. It's a pretty good chance because you've yep. already got the game in hand against Oklahoma State. That's the other three-loss team. You don't have to worry about Oklahoma if you win out. You would have the opportunity. Now, Baylor is the elephant in the room, and Kansas State could then turn around and do them a favor. But, you know, Baylor's the elephant in the room. Baylor's got the game in hand. So you'd need Baylor to win to lose two more, right, if you're Kansas. you got to have two losses from Baylor to be able to get there. That's going to be the hardest component, I think, to overcome outside of winning the rest of your games. But yeah, with Texas and Kansas State still on the schedule and the game in hand against Oklahoma State, they're absolutely alive in this thing. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I kind of to tie both programs together, we talked about Kansas State, now we're talking about the Jayhawks. Um, I mentioned on the show on Friday, I'm going to pat myself on the back, I said this would be a get-right game for the Kansas running game, and they were absolutely able to do so. Devin Neal uh, had an incredible game, ran for over 200 yards uh, and a touchdown, average seven yards a carry. Uh, And so with that running game, getting into high gear and, and that's what that's really what Kansas has been lacking for a while. You lose, you know, Daniel Highshaw and Devin Neal, the hometown hometown kid, able to actually make it work on the ground. That's going to be essential for Kansas moving forward. You look at Kansas State and where I said, you know, kind of tying this all back together uh, with Kansas State. They the defense for Kansas State where I am concerned about them is stopping the run because Bijan Robinson ran all over them. And so, yeah, it might be an aberration. It might not be that bad moving forward for Kansas State's defense. Uh, it might just might have just been a bad half of football for them, but they had trouble stopping the run. You look in just a few weeks, the Sunflower Showdown. And Kansas, Kansas State, if Kansas can get the running game going, that might be a concern. Uh, They were able to show that they could do that against Oklahoma State a week ago. The other thing about Kansas State is that Baylor has a top five uh, rushing attack in the Big 12. So does Kansas. They're fourth and fifth ranked respectively in the Big 12 and running the football. That's going to be a concern for Kansas State defensively moving forward. It is, and we'll find out which, you know, is is the B. John Robinson first half or second half what you worry about or feel like as a strength for Kansas State. I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that they're okay. But, yeah, it's definitely more concerning than before that game was played when we saw what happened. Just the strangest, strangest half of football for Kansas State this year. I could not believe what I was seeing when, when – and, you know, if Texas would have done that in the second half, maybe it makes more sense. But for them to then just turn around and completely shut them down in the second half makes it make even less sense. I mean, I'm glad they did, but that's still, like, what was that? I I have no idea. I think that with a well-coached team that is getting healthier on that side of the ball, I would lean more to the 
they'll be fine in that area moving forward. And we'll see more of what we've seen over the course of the entire year. And that is the aberration. Because if it's not the aberration, Kansas State's, they're, I mean, they're not going to do what they want to do. If, if they can't defend the run, if the first half was not an aberration, then it won't matter. They're not going to win all the rest of their games. I do think, though, that there's a better chance that the whole season from what we've seen is what to expect in that first half. We'll find out. Big week into college football. We'll have much more on both Kansas and K-State throughout the week here. We'll get our insiders in uh, to talk about their chances this weekend. Let's talk a little college hoops here. We've got all three teams going tonight, all heavily favored in these games. And honestly, all three have a statement that needs to be made. Which one of them has the biggest statement that needs to be made? Wichita State, Kansas State, KU basketball. It's the best time of the year. Season starts tonight. We'll talk about it next on Sports Daily. everybody sports daily on kfh wild monday not just now because normally it's wild we have football to talk about we got college basketball to talk about the season starts tonight games all over the country including three right here in the state of kansas you've got kansas and wichita state both playing at seven o'clock you have kansas state going at eight o'clock um there are different lines, and I think these will settle in as we get closer to game time. So we'll check BetMGM throughout the day. But uh, CBS Sports right now is showing Wichita State is a 17.5-point favorite. Kansas is up at BetMGM. Uh, so you can find them on there. Uh, a little more than I've seen them anywhere from 31 to 34-point favorite throughout the morning here. Um, and then Kansas State, I assume, will go up at some point today. Kansas State is a... 18-point uh, favorite against UT Rio Grande Valley. All three of these teams, Tommy, have statements to make, I think, this year. Of course, you have Jerome Tang in his debut for the Wildcats, and all the new players know Nigel Pack. They're trying to make a statement that they will not finish at the bottom of the Big 12, where they were predicted. Kansas is the defending national champion, who, of course, lost uh, two guys to the NBA, lost all kinds of talent. They bring in one of the best freshmen in the country, a guy we saw play high school basketball in Grady Dick. They've got their own statement to make. Oh, by the way, they don't have Bill Self for the next four games. And, of course, Wichita State. They had transfers all over the place. NIL got put in place. They brought in some talented guys. It certainly got better as the offseason went along than it began. They're 17.5-point favorites tonight. Of all three of these, Tommy, which do you think... I guess, what are you looking the most for tonight? Who who has a chance to make the biggest statement to you tonight? I think Kansas State has the biggest potential to make an impact. There is so much unknown um, about the Wildcats this year. And, you know, Jerome Tang, it's going to be interesting to see in one offseason um, what he's able to put together with this squad. Um, and, and so I think that they have the potential to be better than what the preseason predictions say. 
Um, I don't know how much better. Like, I don't know if we're talking about the difference between last in the Big 12 and, you know, eighth in the Big 12. I don't exactly know, like, how, like, what their ceiling is. But I think he's got an opportunity to make a statement here early on um, and and watch his brand of basketball and what made him so successful as you know part of Scott Scott Drew's staff at Baylor for a long time, uh, bringing that brand to Kansas State. There's been so much offseason excitement in Manhattan for Jerome Tang, uh, and so I wonder if that means the expectations have changed a little bit. Um, or if there will be um, a result that basically makes the fan base think, all right, yeah, we were excited, but there's still a lot of work to be done. So I think that's probably kind of where I'm looking at the biggest, you know, potential uh, to have, you know, a, a statement out the gate and what that looks like for Kansas State. Let me, I, I think for me, and my answer is Wichita State, and I'll, I'll tell you what, Kansas doesn't have Bill Self, and we got to see the new faces I don't have much doubt that Kansas will be in contention for another Big 12 title. What what that means, you know, you know, with Baylor and Texas and Texas Tech always in the mix and all of these other things, I don't yet know what that means, but I don't have much concern about Kansas no matter what. They could lose tonight, and I wouldn't have much concern about Kansas. So I'm not as worried about that. Don't like, By the way, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying, like, I, no matter what happens tonight— I don't, I don't need any sort of statement from them yet. I I think that Kansas State is going to roll, and I think they're going to look better. Uh, I think I saw enough in the exhibition to make me think they're they're better than anybody thought. And, and I'm not saying anybody was incorrect by picking them last in the Big 12 by any means whatsoever. There are too many unknowns. But I think they did get enough talent brought in there. I think they're going to be fine, too. It, it'll be nice to see them make a statement. And and yes, there would be concern if they don't. Wichita State, to me, is an absolute unknown, Tommy. I, I like When I say I have no idea what to expect, I, I mean I have no idea what to expect. I, I really don't. I expect Craig Porter to be good. That's, that's it. As far as my expectations for Wichita State this year, that's it. I just expect Craig Porter to be good. Any other outcome... I could see it, right? I could see them vastly overachieving. I could see them vastly underachieving. I, I mean, I could see all of it. So tonight, as they come in and open things up, when they have a roster full of guys we know nothing about, I mean, we've seen Xavier Bell in high school, right, when he played at Andover Central, but we don't know anything about the rest of this roster outside of the fact that Craig Porter is going to need to be like all-conference good for Wichita State to reach any sort of goal this year. And I think he can be, by the way, um, based on just things that we're hearing about how things have gone. Central Arkansas, they come in. The Shockers have a big opportunity tonight. I think it's I think it's the biggest need for a statement. And, you know, it, it's just the total unknown of this season for Shocker basketball is fascinating to me. You had the overachievement of year one of Isaac Brown you had the underachievement of year two of Isaac Brown, and now we get into this third year, and I don't know where it goes. I mean, they, they weren't picked well, so it's going to be hard to underachieve. There's not just not a whole lot of room to underachieve, but I do think with, a, with like if they come out of the gates and look great tonight, it will probably change our perception and our expectation right here out of the gate of what we might think right now. But even if they don't, at least for me, I don't think that changes my perception 
whatsoever of the, the Shocker basketball program moving forward. It's November. It's early November. Right. And they they, they, they have to replace so much production. But if they come and, out stale, don't, don't you think that that's going to worry you more than if Kansas State or Kansas came no. out stale as far as no. how good they could be? No. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, you're you're putting a significant amount of of pressure on the shoulders of Craig Porter, who I think can respond. I think that he can respond and be the unquestioned leader of this team, and I think he knows that. I think he knows that that is going to be his role this season. But there is so much newness in this program; it's going to take some time for this team to come together. We know the talent level of Xavier Bell. Uh, and, and we know the production that some of these other guys like Gus Okafor and Jaquan Walton and what they've been able to bring um, from their previous schools to Wichita State. But we don't know yet how it's all going to gel together. We don't know yet if it's going to take one game, five games, ten games. We don't we don't know that. And so I feel like and I'm going to I'm going to go on record right now on November 7th before the Shockers open up their season. My opinion only, and there might be a lot of people out there who disagree with me, but my opinion only, there should be zero pressure on Isaac Brown as it relates to his job status moving forward with Wichita State going into the season because there is so much unknown. There is so much uncertainty. I feel like it's going to take time for this to work together. Yeah, there was an overachievement in year one and probably an underachievement in year two, and now you wipe the slate clean, and you've got so much newness in this program, I'm willing to give it some time to, to see if it works. I'm going to tell you, Tommy, right now, as somebody who's been on this show for the last calendar year and the last season, uh, people will disagree with you. Because I, I was, I I was that. A- absolutely on an island there last year as things went the way that they did. I, I thought that there was an overreaction early. What What's happened here, Tommy, I think, is that a lot of people – didn't know, didn't believe that Isaac Brown, even with everything, and I'm not one of these people, but the you know the other side of it is people didn't think he should have been hired as the full-time head coach to begin with. Now, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I think what they did in that first year was remarkable considering what they dealt with. Um, I think that his reputation in the program and the support he has from ex-players is unquestioned. But what happened last year was they couldn't find any offense after Tyson Etienne, you know, lost a step basically, and I don't know that they were able to recover for that from that. And I think people, for whatever reason, thought that was an unforgivable sin. Now I don't know. I know that that seat was going to be hot. I don't know how hot it is with Kevin Saul. Um, he's not going to. Well, we can ask him. We'll ask him Wednesday. He's not going to tell us directly. Um, but you know, it, it's. It's interesting. I'm with you, but if it's not good, like if it's really bad, that's going to be a problem. You know, if they, you know, if they finish in the bottom of this league, that's probably not going to bode well. Now, yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll qualify. Let me qualify my 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 statement a little bit here. Like, yeah, if they if they finish in the basement of the conference, okay, that's a little bit of a different story. If they have you know, a terrible non-conference win and lose games that they should win. Okay, yeah, like I, I get that. I understand that. The other thing to keep in mind, you know, a, a, as you mentioned with Kevin Saul, is that 
He's not, he didn't make the Isaac Brown hire. Nope. And, you know, so th- that's always a little bit different when you've got a new athletic director coming in and, you know, maybe keeping track of, and not maybe, but definitely keeping track of where that program is. I get that. I understand that. But right now, as it stands, I don't have any concerns at all about Wichita State. It's not that I'm, I'm uber confident in the Shockers. Right. But to your point, it's just we don't know. We don't right. we don't know. And so why pass judgment? I know it's kind of our job on this show, but it why is. pass judgment when you have literally no idea? So I, I don't have any concerns right now. I guess they play this game against Central Arkansas tonight. And yeah, you can assess it from there, but it's it's the first game with a brand new slate of faces on your program. I think it's gonna take some time. It's it's all very interesting, and not to rehash everything we talked about consistently last year, but you know it did not go well for Greg Marshall those first years in the program. It got better, right? It was improving from not being good at all, but it's not like that he came in instantly and was going to the Final Four. That took some time, and it's also not like at the end there things weren't going poorly. They weren't reaching tournaments, and they, you know, some of these things were happening, and players were disgruntled, and then you had obviously the the scandal that happened anyway. Um, so, the the for me last year it was always Isaac Brown deserves the same amount of patience that Greg Marshall had. The only difference though is the expectations from day one are so much higher because of the recent success of the program, and I get that. I do understand that. Isaac Brown was playing from behind in the recruiting world last year and even to some degree in the transfer portal because the NIL stuff wasn't set up for Wichita State yet. Now that it is, we quickly saw them bring in some what we think are talented guys right through the portal. I really think uh, that they need to get Colby Rogers out of Siena, and I don't know. Taylor Eldridge has had some good reporting on that. He was coming in as a shooter. They need that. Um, so I don't know what that situation is, but they certainly got better. I, I just, it's too bad that you, you, we didn't get the full NIL component up because I do think this, and this is where I think there's going to be pressure. I think that Wichita state, and I don't know that we've talked about this since you've come on here full time, Tommy, I think Wichita state is potentially a sleeping juggernaut in college basketball because in the NIL world where we know this fan base has ponied up basically to make Greg Marshall at the time one of the top five highest paid coaches in the country as a mid-major coach that same base exists right you've got NIL opportunities now for a school that doesn't have to take care of football players so there's a school and a and a base and a donor base that is willing to raise funds and an opportunity that you don't have to pay football players that's a big opportunity for Wichita State, and they'll sell out every game. I think it's all there. All the pieces to that juggernaut are there, so that does add pressure to it being good right now. The circumstances individually and uniquely, I, I, I it's, it is an unknown, and we saw the guys leave, and we saw Craig Porter come back only after NIL got set up in time. But, you know, there was there was a lot there for Isaac Brown to have to deal with again. You know, and so it is hard to set expectations. We got to see them play well on the court, though. Yeah, they can't be a a fickle donor base, though. I mean, how many people, when everything went down with the Greg Marshall situation, how many donors and fans they were left mad. the program? Like, we're, we're done. Were I get it. I understand why. It was, there was a lot of controversy going around, but maybe not giving Isaac Brown a fair shake, a fair shot. 
I think that's legitimate too. I think it both is. things can be true at the same time. They so absolutely I feel like can be. If you want to be a sleeping juggernaut, I get it, and I think that the potential is there. But man, like, look at what you have in front of you right now, and let's go out there and, and try to support NIL and and have Wichita State get the best players possible with the program and the coach that they have right now. That part is on Kevin Saul. Um, it certainly sounds like, from what I hear from people that follow the program, that people are generally pretty happy about that. What we got to see from Isaac Brown now is just coach up the players that are there, right? Exceed expectations. I think that's got to just be the goal. Just exceed expectations. We get it all going tonight. Man, I can't believe it's college basketball season. A uh, little bit of NFL news just coming down the wire. A coach has been fired. We'll tell you which one when we come back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, welcome back, everybody. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. Uh, the breaking news out of the NFL, Frank Reich has been fired. Uh, easily in the conversation for most disappointing team this year, I think. He hasn't had Jonathan Taylor, but it's just not working. Um, and so the Colts are going to move on here. The Colts, there's a lot of teams. I mean, the Raiders are certainly in this conversation. The Broncos are certainly in this conversation. The Colts are as disappointing as any team in football, though, this year. Yeah, Frank Reich had a winning record uh, during his time in Indianapolis. But tough. I feel like there was never really a comprehensive plan on how they wanted to move that franchise forward. Uh, you know, specifically at the quarterback position, it's been a lot of Band-Aids ever since Andrew Luck left. You know, guys like Phillip Rivers for a year and Carson Wentz for a year. Now they're trying Matt Ryan for a season. There really has not been, you know, a, a big time plan about, okay, what are we going to do for the next 10 years at quarterback and build an offense around somebody? And um, I think that Frank Reich, you know, deserves the heat for that because as the head coach, you know, of course your general manager, you know, plays a big part in that too. But as the head coach, you know, I, it's difficult to have a, a cohesive long-term plan when you're throwing band-aids out there at the quarterback position year in and year out. And you have probably the most talented running back in Jonathan Taylor, who I know has been injured and banged up this season, didn't play yesterday, but the most talented running back in the NFL on your team. And you know, you're just not able to, 
to make anything happen. It's been a disappointing season, a disappointing couple of seasons for Indianapolis. I had they were my pick to win that division, and it looks like they're, they're not going to come anywhere close. Yeah, it's uh, gosh dang, I I don't know what to make of the Colts. I don't know if it's time for them to totally blow it up. Because if it is, now you got to think about – because, you know, Pittman's pretty good and Pierce, who they drafted, looks pretty good this year. And we thought their line was going to be good. And they've got some good defensive players. They have Jonathan Taylor. So do you still just try and solve quarterback and move forward? Or do you do a complete overhaul? I, my guess is they're going to try to solve quarterback in the short term or they probably would have been more active at the trade deadline. Um, so I would guess – that they'll probably go with a very experienced NFL. I, I, I doubt that they just go with a new, because I think they probably internally, and maybe it's just because they have to, feel like they could be good again quickly. Um, and I think that tends to happen when you have an underachieving team. like an under, Yeah, an underachieving team like this. So, but, I, but the problem is, and this has been the problem, is the problem for Frank Reich, those quarterbacks just aren't out there everywhere, right? Like, it's hard to do. They've tried now three different times to find guys that have had success at different points of their careers, and it hasn't worked any of those times. That's but probably all three of those why. Guys, they're all old. three of those guys passed their prime. Passed their prime, all of them. And, yeah, I get, like, you know, you go and you try to draft somebody, and that might take a couple of years to develop them, uh, you know, into yeah. the quarterback that you want. And, that, and that's kind of a, a dice roll, too, if it's going to work out. Um, but man, the strategy of going and getting past their prime, Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan isn't—it's not working. Um, so you need to have more of it. And I don't even care; it doesn't have to be a ten-year plan. It can be a three-year plan or a four—it just something to get a quarterback that can stick there and that can actually, you know, be competent when they're playing in that offense in, in Indianapolis. I don't know what you're going to do. That's the problem. That's the elephant in the room. Because I didn't think taking the chance on those guys was necessarily the wrong thing to do. There weren't a lot of options for them. And that's probably, you know, Frank Reich, as much as anything, not being able to utilize those guys is probably why he's not there. Because I'll bet you they take the same approach. Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be available after this year? Is, uh, you know... Who else might be out there? Uh, he's certainly going to be an option. Ryan Tannehill is potentially going to be an option for Tennessee if they move on and go with, you know, if they if they go with Malik Willis for the future. So there's Marcus a couple Mariota of guys. Mariota might be a guy from Atlanta. Yep. You know, that looks like you know the Falcons might end up, you know, or probably are going to end up leaning on Desmond Ritter long term. So Mariota could be looking for a job. But yeah. Indianapolis has done this over and over and over I know. again. But and, I, and they're not going to draft a rookie to come in there. I mean, maybe they trade the farm to go do well, that. Problem, it's a good rookie class. Part of the problem with Indianapolis, too, is that you play mediocre enough football where you're not getting into the top I know, five. It is a you're problem. Not getting, you don't have the opportunity. Year. Right. Yeah. You, you're not you're not getting, you know, the, the top tier quarterbacks to draft. And so, yeah, why would you want to in the third or fourth round, you know, go and grab the eighth best quarterback out there, you know, when you could go and sign a Matt Ryan, who at least, you know, you know, at one point won the MVP. Um, yeah, he's not Matt Ryan, though, that won the MVP when he played in Indianapolis. Carson Wentz wasn't either. Neither was Philip Rivers. So they've got they've got some work to do at that position. That and might let's be... be careful with our needed sympathy for Indianapolis on its quarterback situation, because they got to go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. So. Sure. You know, they, 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 they've, uh, the time has come for them to suffer some quarterback woes. Can they solve it quick enough? I don't know. Um, uh, you don't see winning 
record coaches fired very often. And at the same time, I get it. I get it. 869-1240. We'll come back. We'll go over a very busy day of sports action and where you can listen to it next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.